Hello, friends. Welcome to a tale not for the faint of heart. The year is 1890. The place, Boston. A dark and sinister force has seeped into our world, corrupting and conquering all it touches. Now, four adventurers have banded together. Can they keep the darkness from holding total dominion over all? Find out as our heroes face the Red Death. And as that sort of passing out breath leaves his body, uh, the four of you see something strange. Um, you see what appears to be someone else's body shooting out of his up towards the sky and then dissipating almost immediately. Um, it's a blink and you miss it kind of thing. And, um, but it's, uh, it's the body of a man who's 5'10", so about Terry's height, but uh, dark hair, glasses, and uh, a dark cloak. But that's all you're really able to tell because it's so quick. Yeah, I think James is uh, just barely caught that. As he, I mean, he's uh, trying to try to ease Terry down. I don't want him to just drop and you know mm-hmm. risk hitting his head too hard or anything. Because just based off his actions. Um, I mean, he's definitely he's definitely killed this woman. James realizes that, uh, but there's just something very unterry like about it. So it's not like I've just given up friendship on him at the at the moment because it seems like something else was going on. Okay, so so he's down, and uh, what what's your next move? Uh, if if no one has something urgently that they're going to say, I, I think Sawyer is going to do something. If that's all right. Yeah, yeah. James is just kind of kind of hunkered down over Terry, you know. Because, I mean, smart enough to know that people are going to be coming for him, you know, anybody who's seen him murder this woman. So. I, I do have a question. Um, as soon as, because it's a concentration spell that I'm using right now, as mm-hmm. soon as the vision of the other body disappears, is the evil still there or is it has that gone too? Nah, great question. Uh, the evil is completely gone. Okay. Um, Ignacio's going to run in and check on... The first the victim and then on Terry. Okay. So yeah. Uh so talk to me about what you're doing to check on the victim. I'm just you know, obviously she's dead because how many times do you stab her? A lot, yeah. So she's gonna make sure that, you know, she's officially dead and there's no way to like stabilize or anything or nothing she can do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's been a couple rounds, um, and, uh, she is, uh, she's out. She got, even after she was dead, she was stabbed repeatedly. So, uh, she, she's done for, but, um, if you give me a, if you give me a medicine check, I can tell you a little bit more about what you noticed with her. Uh, that's a 17. Great. Um, so you notice that the, the cuts that have been made demonstrate uh, a really high degree of medical knowledge um, calculated to cause the most damage to the body, something that regular people just wouldn't 
no. Um, and that there are enough attacks that uh, this isn't simply getting lucky. This was causing wounds and then using those wounds to cause worse wounds down the road. Okay. And Ignacio's just going to take this in for a moment, just be really quiet as you're studying the victim. Okay. So Sawyer's going to walk past them all, but uh, saying to all of them, uh, as he's walking towards the crowd, he says, uh, James, get your friend on your shoulder now. And uh, to to Ignacia, he says, we're going to be moving. We're going to go a couple blocks down. There's a shop. I'm going to take you there. And then he goes to the crowd, continuing walking forward, and he says, all right, everybody. Show's over. The police are here. I have this under control. My team will be here to clean up this mess. Get back in the bar. People will be coming to ask you questions. That includes the media. Any of you want your names in the paper tomorrow? Be in the bar in five seconds. Uh, give me a chariz- uh, deception check for that one. Yay, that's what I do. <laughs> Ooh, 18. And then uh, plus five. So this is so convincing that even some of the police officers who have showed up start to move towards the bar. Um, but not so convincing that they all actually do. Like a cup, one of them you see take a couple steps and then one of them, like another police officer like slaps that guy in the back of the head and he like shakes his head and turns around. Um, but uh, the police are on the scene, but most of the crowd has, has rushed in. Um, the woman who's being held back by the bartender uh, is still there. Um, and she's sort of collapsed on the, the sidewalk sobbing. Um, the bartender seeing people go back into the bar uh, has his priorities uh, and rushes back in to make sure that everything is copacetic in there. So, so Sawyer's thought here is, and he, tried, he wanted to do it as quickly as possible, was this wasn't this person's fault. But there is no person that's going to believe that. Mm-hmm. So he wants to get that person to a safe place, talk to him, see what's going on maybe get some information about what happened, but that's not going to happen if these local sheriff police or local police uh, are, are involved. Um, right. he, he did just stick a dart in his inner pocket up uh, where his billfold or a badge might be. And he opens it hoping that a light would kind of catch maybe part of it for a brief second and closes it as part of his, as part of his uh, con that he just did with the deception uh, and says uh, U S marshal. To the, to the police. Um, all right, give me a deception check. <laughs> James has, has got Terry up in the fireman's carry. So. Only a 14 plus, so 19 on that one. Okay. Um, so one of the police officers, one of the, they're all beat cops there, um, says, a marshal. Well, we sure are glad to have you here. Um, we'll certainly be able to use your help as we're investigating this case. And you having been on the scene, uh, I'm sure that our detectives will be very excited to talk to you. Glad you're here, Marshall. Glad to be here. I'd like to get this person who is a, uh, a criminal away from people who might be tempted to cause them harm. Had they known the victim, the, uh, yeah, the beat cops say that they'll be, uh, as soon as, uh, the detective gets here, They'll uh, relocate, but they'll make sure that no one no one bothers her. So one of them is seeing to the to the woman who's on the ground crying. Okay. 
is anyone opposed to going? I mean, I, I don't know if anyone would be. I, I'd like to get everyone to go to this shop that I just came from with a friend of mine, or at least a colleague, uh, who might be able to help us. But that's my intention. What's everybody else doing? I imagine that James is going to kind of defer to what you're doing because um, he wants to protect Terry, and he knows that Terry you know, it was not in control of himself. So if, if it seems like you have a plan, uh, James is going to follow you for sure. Agnes. Could I do, uh, yeah. An insight check about the woman who's crying on the ground. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, <laughs> let me see if I can just make that a little bit less abysmal. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's only like an eight. I mean, that's going to be plenty good. Um, she's, she's not being secretive at all about what she's upset about. Um, so you hear her saying to the police officer that, um, that her friend was murdered. Um, and uh, that they were close and she's upset that, that she's dead. Okay. I'm cool to go hide this murderer if you all are now. <laughs> Well, there's there's a bunch of police, so I'm just gonna tell you that would be some uh, some impressive impressive uh, work there. Yeah, I, th- I I will admit uh, out of character that that I, I had had I had there been police that Sawyer saw, he might have hesitated, but he did he did act very quickly to try to to try to do mm-hmm. this. He doesn't like seeing good people go down because he doesn't like the law. But but he he know he knows what's going to happen to this person, and he knows that no one's going to believe him. And he had a conversation with him, and he could have told he could have told real quick. And because of the perception check he made at the bar, he knew that there were these were basically good people. Mm-hmm. But he he thinks after seeing that spirit or whatever that was that there's something else going on, but they're not going to be able to find out what if the police take over. So the yeah, go ahead. Uh, okay. Is James, James and, um, Sawyer near each other? Uh, yeah, the police have approached you and they've asked yeah. you to put the, put the perpetrator down. Um, they don't have their weapons out yet, but, um, you're a big guy and you make them a little bit nervous. Okay. Um, so James is going to pull himself up as, as big as he can look as, you know, intimidating as he can. He says, I just want to get my friend here somewhere um, away from all the, all these folks that have witnessed this uh, people knew, knew the young woman that was murdered. And uh, I fear for retaliation again against my friend, even though what he did was atro- atrocious. I, I can assure you that, that he wasn't, he wasn't acting normally. Uh, I just, I want to get him somewhere officer. If you'll allow me just somewhere a little less public uh, so we can, we can maybe talk to him about it. Before, uh, before we just slap the cups on him and, and take him in. The the beat cop says that uh, the detectives will take care of any conversation that needs to happen with this criminal. Um, am, am I nearby? Do I hear this? Yes. I'm going to step in like, hi, excuse me. Um, this gentleman who's was the attacker is not doing well right now. And he needs medical assistance. And I actually work with Dr. Han and um, I will what I can, but I do need to get somewhere there that's quiet where I can work. Uh, you you heard the lady, gentlemen. We don't have a lot of time. 
Ignacia, why don't you give me a deception check on that one? Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, that's an 18. Oh, that's good. Um, so uh, one of the police officers says, uh, well, he looks, he looks okay to me, just unconscious. And um, one of the other beat cops says, uh, you idiot. If she works with Dr. Han, she knows what she's talking about. Um, and so the two of them say like that they'll kind of pull you away a little bit. Um, they're not going to leave the scene. They're not going to go inside or anything, but, um, they do let you step away. Basically, you never just saw your like lead the way to where we need to go. Okay. So we, we go. We go, uh, uh, the, the first block is in, is in the direction towards wherever this Han, like whatever that we, they expect us to go. So I, I, mean, I sort of asked Ignacia to lead that. Yeah, they're, they're going to let you get like some number of yards away. They're not talking about city blocks here. Oh, I thought we were able to take him to, the, to a place is what they But uh, They're willing to go somewhere a little quieter, but not... They're not like, oh, I they're not letting him leave the murder scene. Okay. I don't know the area. Is there anything quieter? Um, so as you're trying to figure that out, uh, the, uh, a man rides up on horseback in a detective's uniform um, and hops off and starts kind of barking orders at the, at the beat cops around him. Um, you hear them refer to him as Detective O'Neill. Uh, he's in pretty good shape for a man in his early fifties. Um, and, uh, Agnes, you know that, uh, your mother is friends with someone named Teresa O'Neill, who has a brother who's a detective. Is, is there a moment in the chaos of him arriving on horseback that Sawyer could slip away? (laughs) (laughs) Um, you can give me a pretty difficult stealth check, but um, failing it would be bad for you. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to be questioned by a detective on whether or not I am a marshal. Um, Okay, so I'm going... Is it okay if I slip something in Ignacia's hand as I sl- try to slink out of here? Sure. Um, you can do an easy sleight of hand check. Oh, that was easy. Okay, I got a, I got a, a 19, a natural 19 on my sleight of hand. Which okay, you should have saved well that for your I know, right? Um, sure, so you're able to, to slip her something. Yeah, it's just basically the a letter that has an uh, an address of um, the shop that I was intending to go to, um, Li Jing's uh, shop. It's like a uh, it was sort of like a curios. What, what, what was it? Uh, it was an apothecary. That's right. That's our right, apothecary. So, um, so that that's she has that, and then I'm trying to go into the shadows. Oh, not as good. <laughs> uh, so 11 plus, hold on, 14. Okay. Um, so as you're sort of starting to step away, the Detective O'Neill says, you there, Marshal. 
Yes, detective. It looks like you have this uh, under control, and I don't want to get into any discussion of jurisdiction. He says, "Oh, I, I'm most interested in getting to the bottom of this. This is a this is a major break in the Ripper case. We we sure could use your help." Well, I would be glad to help, but I am a little out of my uh, my well jurisdiction. Uh, uh, San, I'm from San Francisco, so this is not my. He says, well, just, just a short conversation. We don't have to get into concerns about jurisdiction or anything. All right. Well, as long as there's no paperwork, I need to be involved, and I'm glad to help. Uh, I've been holding – I think I've been holding Terry this whole time. Um, but if it looks like we're not going anywhere, I might might loosen up on that and bring him down. Yeah, the beat cops well, have asked you pretty in, oh, emphatically to, to set him down. Okay. Well, I did ask them to get him somewhere. Right, right, right. That we could quietly work on him. Okay. Right. So um, you'd carried him a bit of the way, but then once Detective O'Neill got on the scene, he sort of locked it down. Um, so, I'm just going to make sure that he, he, he is okay. Like, once he's on the ground, I'm actually going to do like probably like a medicine check, make sure he's, he's all right physically. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, so uh, just give me a quick medicine check. This is an easy one. Just basically don't roll one. Uh, that's a 6 plus 7. That's a 13. That's a great for what you need to see here. Um, so he is uh, unconscious. He has what will be a pretty nasty bruise on his neck from, uh, from James's arm. But other than that, uh, he's is himself uninjured. Um, he's covered in blood, but it's not his. Um, and he is, uh, he's unconscious. He's breathing normally. Um, there doesn't seem to be any damage to his windpipe. He's, he's going to be physically okay. Um, I'm going to probably, if, if I'm not, if I have space and there's like no cops around me, I'm going to dig through my medicine bag because, mm-hmm. of course, I carry it on me uh, and see if I can find something like a smelling salt or something. Probably, like, bring them to. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I think – I don't think you need to do a sleight of hand check for that or anything. Yeah, go ahead. Am I rolling Am I rolling medicine again or – No, I think or... smelling salts are just – we're going to – they're going to succeed. Okay. So basically just take out, open the jar and stick it underneath his nose to, for him to breathe on. Yeah, so he, he sort of starts awake and that gets the attention of, uh, of the beat cops and uh, they're over near him. I, I just want to know, give me, give me just one minute, please, before you take him away to make sure that he's all right, conscious, before you guys drag off to question him. He might be having a concussion or something. Um, so they sort of look to Detective O'Neill, and then Detective O'Neill looks back at Sawyer and says, Marshall, as long as you've uh, got your eyes on him. Oh, of course, of course. Both eyes. Great. He says, uh, and uh, make sure you pay close attention. If he says anything I need to know, let me know. I just uh, tip, tip my hat. I've, I've been keeping my everywhere that the detective has been looking Mm-hmm. Or sorry, standing, I'm tilting my hat or my head just slightly, so he's only really able to ever see the lower part of my jaw. Sure. <clears throat> okay. 
So yeah, I think James will will kneel down once once Terry's awake, and I'll say, Ter- Terry, uh, what 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 is going on? You, what happened to you? Um, he says, what what is what is going on? How did I get out here? What well, you left with 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 that woman from the bar and uh. And well, you, uh, you came out, and James just kind of rubs his head, and he's like, "Well, you, you, you attacked her." I uh, don't know anything. Hold on, and I'm, I'm going to make sure, like, I'm going to check his eyes, make sure they're they're focusing right. You know, check his breathing. Mm-hmm. Saw my finger. Yep. And and he, she's basically going to say, "You're probably not going to know anything of what happened." As she's like examining him, making sure everything's good. Yep. You, you, you won't remember, and I'm so sorry that this happened to you. Okay, so Sawyer lead, like kind of kneels down a little bit uh, near Ignacia and says, um, it, "First of all, out of character is is was it Bruja, and is that is that a derogatory term towards your profession?" <laughs> It's it, well. It's she. She goes by Curandera, which is a, a folk healer. Uh-huh. But uh, Bruja means witch in Spanish. So right. So, so um, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say that Sawyer wouldn't necessarily know the the proper way of saying it, but but he when he's he's going to whisper it to you because that's what yeah. he kind of remembers you as. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so he he kneels down and he says, uh, "Bruja, this might be our last chance uh, to get this gentleman to." Uh, out of the situation he's got himself in, or he did, wasn't responsible for, but could, do you have anything to make him look dead? Uh, <laughs> to look dead. Um, she starts digging through her medicine bag to see if there is anything in there. With your character, I'd be surprised if that's the case, but if there's a good reason for it, I'm game. Um, I mean, I might have some, some roots or maybe like a herb or something to make him feel a lot sicker than he is that we need to get him in a medical facility. And she starts rummaging through a bag. I could potentially help with this, um, by using suggestion on something, on a, on O'Neill perhaps. If, if you can okay. get him looking like somewhat more dead than he actually is, then uh, that would also help. I think what we need to do is if we can make him look dead and you can make the detective believe you, then James, you need to maybe maybe take the body to wherever in this area they would take dead bodies. Well, at least uh... then, At least then we could give your friend a chance to start a new life somewhere else where he's not going to be hanged for murder so are we far enough away from anybody we can have kind of a discreet conversation uh yeah they're they're basically okay. leaving you alone because they think the marshals got this all under underhand okay. all right so james you know leans in and says well i know what we saw was not terry uh so i don't want him to hang for something that he that that he i don't know what happened but it it was not terry so um, I mean, I can, I can carry him easy enough. 
uh, and I could probably run with him easy enough for a, for a distance. I, I don't know what we need to plan here, but I, I mean, I would carry him out of here in haste if need be. Basically, he's getting across the point that he he'll make a run for it if if there's no other option. So keep in mind, Detective O'Neill does have a horse. Outrunning would be dicey. Well, that's true. Now we wouldn't, we I mean, wouldn't I, be able to stay around the area either. Yeah, James doesn't really know much about what you are talking about, like making him look dead and, and, and appear dead. So he's really just thinking of last-ditch effort on how to how he would get his friend out of this situation. That would be to just to pick him up and take off running and try to try to hide somewhere. So that's kind mm-hmm. of just where his mind's at. Well, alternatively, we could let the police take him, figure out where he's going, and bust him out later. And then uh, Sawyer has sort of a grin on his face, <laughs> just thinking about breaking someone out of a prison, but, but has to kind of suppress it <laughs> in the moment. So while you're discussing, uh, Detective O'Neill uh, pokes his head out of the alleyway um, and asks if uh, the four of you can come over and kind of talk him through what happened over there. If you've, uh, and he nods at Ignacia and says, Doctor, if you're satisfied that uh, this patient's going to be all right. Uh, <laughs> you flatter me with doctor, but I am no doctor. I'm just a doctor's assistant. Um if you don't mind, and she leans in and she pulls out a little um, crushed herbs. Um, it's a mix between poppies. It's a mix between red poppies and uh, I'm gonna say lavender. Okay. Um, and um, she's gonna be like chewing this. You'll be you'll be asleep within a minute. We're trying okay. to save you. And she like slowly puts it in his mouth so he can uh, tear his mouth so he can chew on it. Okay. And then she can uh, get up, dust her hands, and then start walking that way. So before he sort of chews or does anything, he looks kind of questioningly at James as to, like, what should I do? And James will nod at him and, and, and just, you know, say, I think I think that's probably the best option. Just chew it and uh, you'll be fine. Okay. Yeah, so he uh, so he goes ahead and starts chewing on it, um, and uh, as as you're heading back to the to the scene of the crime, he sort of starts to look a little droopy again. Um, and so a couple of the beat cops kind of move closer to him to keep an eye on him um, as you go to the alley. Uh, are we? Is he laying down still? Sorry. Um... He's uh, he's kind of sitting, but as he okay. as he chews on it, he kind of gotcha. lines back, and okay. his eyes sort of flutter gently. Gotcha. All right, and then since I have to cast suggest, I have to cast everything I cast as a ritual. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the way that that looks for this specifically is so Agnes doesn't believe in magic, but she does believe that like things like hypnosis <laughs> work. Um, so she will touch. Terry on the forehead and tell him uh, you will sleep like you're dead. And that's what essentially the ritual looks like in this case. Okay. Um, so he is, since he trusts you, he's not going to try to save against it. Um, 
And so it's successful. Uh, he sort of slumps backwards and uh, is quite inert, except for the gentle rising and falling of his chest. All right, so uh, O'Neill kind of brings the four of you back to the alleyway and um, has you run through what happened there. Um, if you just want to tell him what went down the way it went down, we don't need to run through that. Um, but if there's anything you want to tweak about the story or alter or focus on, now would be a good time to. I, I wouldn't change the story. I, 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 I would leave out anything graphic or, or uh, incriminating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty clear. I would just leave the story to kind of the very basics. Okay. Yeah, I think James knows that enough people saw most of it to, that trying to lie about it's probably not going to get very, get them very far. Okay. Um, so he says, uh, he thanks you for the information. Um, he says that obviously uh, they'll need a full statement down at the station, but uh, they should, should have you out of there pretty quickly if you'll uh, come on down and cooperate. I'm going to look over to Terry, and um, does he look like he's out of it again? Yes, totally. Uh, she's going to basically just run out from doc- uh, the detective and go back to the body, uh, to Terry and just start you know, doing a medical check again. Uh, she's like, he's worse off than I thought he was. Uh, he might have hit his head a little too hard. He's back unconscious. I need to take him to uh, our office. So give me a deception check there. Uh, okay. Could could I could I give her advantage oh, if I was to do that's something? A, that's a twenty-one. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> um. So Detective O'Neill says, "Um, that's a really good deception check." Um. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Detective O'Neill says that he uh, says, "Well, if he's in bad shape, we obviously need him around for questioning, and if he is." If he is the Ripper, um, we want him alive to stand trial. Uh, sure, I can, I can let you uh, take him in, and uh, but I'm going to send a couple of my men with you. Make sure, you know, if he comes to, he doesn't harm you as well. This is a dangerous man here, Doctor. Whatever games he's trying to play with you, he's a very dangerous man. She she chuckles again. She's like. I appreciate you with the doctor, but I'm not a doctor, but we'll be at um, the offices of Dr. Han if you do need us. Okay. Um, uh, He sort of motions to two men and points towards you. So they they come over to to help you carry him. Okay. Oh, we definitely make them carry him. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm not doing it. (laughs) <laughs> um so then for the for the three of you he says uh he says i guess i don't need um i guess i don't need he almost says doctor again but he says uh her help down at the station but uh i would like a complete statement from the three of you well uh i'm, I'm gonna have to i'm gonna someone needs to tell tell his wife what's going on i mean she 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 obviously doesn't know someone's gonna have to go tell her that he's being brought in for, that he's, I mean, probably just leave it at that. He's being brought in for, for questioning about something. 
He says we can have somebody from the uh, somebody from the department do that. Or once I've got your statement, Mister, if you'd like to go do it, I suppose that would be all right. But um, we are going to need to send somebody over to his place to look for any evidence over there as well. Well, I definitely, I definitely prefer telling telling her myself. Uh, so if I can wrap my statement up or whatever you need, or or go do that. First, uh, you know, I just I want to get to her and be the one to tell her. Okay, um, he says. Well, I'll tell you what, Miss, and he sort of gestures towards Ignacia. You take him and you get him the medical care he needs. Um, he motions to a couple of beat cops. He says, "Get them cleared out of the bar. We can talk in there, um, and then we can get you over to the misses to have you explain that." Her husband is in bad trouble. Yeah, James will nod his head and agree. Okay. Ignacia is going to look back at um, Agnes and Sawyer, um, give a nod, and then just keep going with the, the cops to take them back to Dr. Hahn's office. Okay. Great. Um, so which do we want to do first? Do we want to do stuff at Dr. Hahn's office, or do we want to head into the bar? Are the three of us going into the bar and Ignacia is going alone with the cops to the doctor's office? Yes. Okay. Either way, either way is fine with me. Okay. Um, so bar is closer and just chronologically that would probably happen sooner. So maybe we'll just jump into that. Okay. So you go into the bar, everything gets cleared out. Um, and it, you know, it doesn't take an insight check to tell that O'Neill is pretty excited about what he thinks, uh, having cracked the Jack the Ripper case. So you hear him explaining to the other detectives that the, uh, the way that, uh, this woman has been attacked and the way that the man and the woman last night were attacked is identical to the way that, um, the Ripper murdered his victims. And, you know, he's just fascinated that someone, who was so careful in London could have gotten so sloppy over here. But then, you know, once he sort of notices you perking up, he kind of comes over. Hear, yeah. Hearing that James is going, I mean, he's going to hear the talk about the Ripper and being in London and James, James is going to say, well, I can, I can, Terry is not the Ripper. Terry has never, to my knowledge, even been to London. Uh, I know for a fact for the past few years, he's been working side by side with me as a bricklayer here in Boston every day. So with that, O'Neill comes over and, you know, sits down in a chair and he says, well, then, huh? Well, that's unfortunate. Well, well then I, at least a copycat or something like that. Well, I, 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 it may seem, I mean, we all saw Terry doing what he did, but, but I don't, I mean, and, and James is just trying to find the words. I don't, I don't, because it's, I mean, obviously he's conflicted because he saw with his own eyes Terry doing these things. Uh, and, but he knows Terry and he, he's trying to get it. I mean, he's just, you know, Terry is, he's t- telling O'Neill now, he's like, Terry, this is not Terry. I don't know if, if something happened, uh, if he had a bad drink or, or what, but, but this is not the Terry that I've known. He, uh, he's not a violent man at all. Uh, I don't even know where the knife came from, but, something drove him to this uh something something drove him to the point uh, uh i don't know 
but this is this is not not Terry. The Terry I know is not even capable of this. He's he's got a family at home and uh, a good family, a good life. Sure. Uh, give me an insight check. Okay. That is a sixteen total. Okay. So you notice that um, O'Neill is listening and he's sort of nodding, but it's all sort of condescendingly. Um, and uh, as you can tell that he, you can tell that he believes that you believe what you're saying, but he doesn't believe a word of it. Um, you know, it's uh, sort of like someone talking to, uh, to Agnes about magic, right? Um, she knows they believe every single word of it and she is just having none of it. Um, yeah. So, so he says, you know, uh, Mr. Wilcox, you can think you can know a person and they can be different. I been working here a long time, started out as a beat cop and you want to think that people can't do certain things, but they can Marshall. I'm sure you've seen some bad things in your, your line of work. Sawyer is, uh, is finishing uh, his second whiskey since he's been in back in the bar. Hmm. And he, and he kind of like sp- still, still haven't having not yet fully swallowed the, the gulp. He, oh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. oh <clears throat> yeah of course of course so Mr. Wilcox I'm afraid that your friend is exactly the sort of man who would do this thing you with your own eyes saw it you explained to me that he's done this I'm sorry to say that this is the sort of man your friend is and it, worse than that this man is I believe trying to to throw suspicion off himself by, by framing the doctor. We managed to, he managed to keep this out of the papers, but Dr. Witherspoon did move to, uh, to Boston recently. So, um, Agnes and James, uh, Agnes, you know this from your interest in the case, but, um, James, you know this from sort of chatter at the, at the job site because, you know, Jack the Ripper stuff was total sensationalism back then. Uh, but uh, one of the prime suspects in the case was uh, a Dr. Charles Witherspoon, who um, was under suspicion of being the Ripper uh, based on the medical knowledge of the attacks uh, that the attacks seemed to demonstrate. Um, but the final victim uh, was his wife. And um, that threw a lot of suspicion on him, of course, but he had an ironclad alibi. He was um, with his cousin at a restaurant the night she was murdered. Um, And so everyone in the restaurant knew he was there. Um, And then looking back into him for the previous things, he had uh, an alibi as well. He was working late in his office um, and had at least one patient every night who would swear that he was there as well. and so that's the, that you know is the doctor that he's referring to. Well, I, I don't know. I can assure you that, that I, you know, I will not, I won't allow for Terry to, to, to be blamed for anything that happened in London because he just, he wasn't in London. Uh, so, I mean, tonight is just, just a, a wild, I don't know what to say. It's just tonight, it was just something. Uh, this is, 
Terry wouldn't have premeditated or, or done this before. Uh, at, I mean, he wouldn't have even done it at all. And I, I still have a hard time believing that, that even seeing it with my own eyes, that, that what I saw. So he sort of sadly shakes his head and he says, but Mr. Wilcox, with what you saw, with what's happening here, I, we'll look into it. If he wasn't in London at the time, then he's not the Ripper, but he's certainly following in the Ripper's footsteps. Yeah, at this point, James would just kind of sit back in his chair and, and just try to take take in everything, just the what he saw, everything he's hearing, just it's all kind of rushing over him at, at one time. Mm-hmm. Agnes, what are you doing during this time? So for Agnes... She's a bit callous, so like this is all fascinating, and she's whipped out her own little notebook from the, I guess, little purse she carries around and is taking notes on this, um, mm-hmm. just as her own kind of amateur detective hobby. Um, and she says, "I think it's clear we we all saw what happened. I mean, he clearly." did kill this woman. I think the more interesting question right now is why, and does he have a solid alibi for the earlier murders that happened? Because if he did not, and there are two different people or potentially more who are roaming the city, killing people, are they working together? Are they inspired by Jack the Ripper? Uh, Is somebody perhaps influencing them and either blackmailing them into to do this, which I I think is unlikely based on what I saw in uh, your friend, Terry. Uh, he did not look particularly in control of himself. He did look like uh, he was going through the motions in a rather mechanical way. Hmm. And I have to wonder whether this could be something like hypnosis. Maybe he was. I, I know I keep harping on this to, I, to Ignacy all the time. Uh, she were here. She would. Uh, she would tell you all about it. But I think that it's a very common parlor trick these days. People love to have these magic shows. Um, but also there's an element of psychology to it. So perhaps somebody is trying to influence these unwitting people into becoming murderers. Mm-hmm. So he, he nods and then he says, um, yeah, Miss Han, you do have your mother's cleverness. That's for sure. Um, but she and my sister, you know, have some interest in, in this mesmerism thing. Um, my understanding is that it can't cause someone to do what they wouldn't have done otherwise. Perhaps it can serve as a bit of a push though, that if it hadn't occurred, I mean, who knows what was really going on, but it's certainly something worth looking into. I, I, I will say that if James here is insisting that his friend wouldn't normally do such a thing, then perhaps this isn't mm-hmm. a normal bout of insanity, but a very sudden one that is caused by external forces or circumstances. Perhaps mm-hmm. he was poisoned with something put into his drink tonight, maybe? Mm. He says, yeah. Well, and it it does seem like someone's trying to put suspicion on the doctor. That. That's for sure. This, this spot, if I'm not mistaken, and the spot from last night, the doctor's house is right in the middle of the two. But, and the reason I was able to get here so quickly, 
is that I was at the doctor's house speaking with him, finding out about his alibi for last night, which, as usual, is ironclad. I'll put a detail on the, and he's sort of thinking out loud at this point. He says, well, I'll put a, put a detail on the doctor's house to make sure that no one tries to go after him directly. But, you know, the good news is we know that he's not our suspect. So would I have, would, would James have been with Terry the night before? Uh, no, he, okay. uh, as far as you know, he went home, uh, since this was, a. Uh, that would have been a Thursday night. You know, you had your long last day ahead of you. Um, They like to work you extra hard on Fridays because they, they know you're not planning on coming in for two days. So. Okay. Gotcha. Do, would any of us know what Dr. Witherspoon looks like based on like paper stuff or just having seen him? Because he might be a somewhat public figure at this point. Um. Yeah, you can give me a history check uh, since you would have been interested in the case. You would probably be the only person who might know. So we're going to go for a, uh, what would that be? Yeah, we're going to say 15 on that for you to kind of remember. That is a 17. So as you start to think about it, um, and you sort of look over things in your mind, you realize that one of the the pictures you saw in the, um, in the, in the papers um, had a strong resemblance to the image you saw disapparate from uh, Terry's body. Um, You can't quite be sure because it, you know, happened so quickly and there was so much chaos going on. Um, And you know enough to know how, the mind can play tricks on people and that's how all this hocus pocus stuff they think happens. But, um, there's definitely a strong resemblance. I would think that was spooky if I thought anything was spooky. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, so yeah, so then you sort of start to wonder about it and then you wonder if you're just sort of telling yourself that, uh, to find a connection where there isn't one. Um, and start to sort of muse to yourself on the power of suggestion, because now that he's mentioned Dr. Witherspoon, you're going back and telling yourself that this thing that you think you saw, which of course you didn't see sort of looks like him. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to suggest, but not in the casting sense, just like in the normal sure. sense uh, that someone go to actually interview Dr. Witherspoon, perhaps because um if he is involved somehow these moments right after the murder would be crucial to figure out whether there's anything strange going on with him. If he's exhibiting any unusual personality traits right now. Sure. Um, so he sort of nods politely as you say, as you say that he says, and you have your father's penchant for telling people how to do their jobs. Ms. Han. Um, I, as I mentioned, did just come from there. Um, I was talking with him uh, about this when when someone came to get me, uh, since I've been assigned to this case. Um, but no, I'll I'll certainly make an inquiry into him about about all of this and keep him keep him updated on these events. Um, so he sort of uh, sort of looks around and says, "Well, if there's." 
if there's nothing else, I, uh, I should take a closer look at the crime scene and then probably check over at your father's office to make sure that uh, we bring Mr. Watson into proper custody. All right. Okay. All right. So let's switch over to, uh, to Ignacia. Um, how far away, actually, this may be more of a question for well, either Agnes or Ignacia. Um, where would Dr. Han's office be? Probably between Boston Commons, like pretty much smack dab between Boston Commons and the house. The Okay, great. All right, so it takes you a little while to get over there, Ignacia. Um, but uh, as you get there, uh, you know, it's well after hours. Um, it's all locked up, but uh, you have a key, so you let yourself in. Talk to me about what you're doing there. Um, basically, I as soon as we get in, I put down my bag and go rush over to start washing my hands and rolling up my sleeves and be like, uh, go ahead and put them on the table. Um, please uh, clear out his pockets. Uh, make sure everything looks great. If there's anything in his pockets, of course, it's evidence, but... I just need I just need him comfortable, and she's just starting to uh, roll up her sleeves and scrub down, just so she's you know in a sterile environment. She's going to start doing her job properly. Okay. Yeah. So they comply. They're happy to help. So once you're all scrubbed up, what's your what's your next step? <laughs> she has to think about it as she's scrubbing. Like, okay. What okay. are we doing? <laughs> um, so. Um, Basically, she's once she's scrubbed up, she's going over to him and, you know, uh, basically she's going to start getting him dressed like a patient. Like, so she's, so she's getting him into um, one of the gowns, maybe. Mm-hmm. Did they have gowns back then? Uh, probably not. I don't. Okay. But um, while she is, like, sort of, like, checking on him and stuff, she's actually looking to see if there's any markings on him any sort of symbols by chance. Cause usually with possibly, I don't know if with her knowledge, she may know that usually possessions and possessors have like markings maybe. Okay. I mean, I can roll an arcana check if you want me to, but yeah, absolutely. Give me an arcana check on that. Okay. That's a 16. Okay. Um, so thinking back over it, uh, you know that it depends on the sort of possession, uh, the more powerful and the more evil the possession, uh, the less physical evidence there would be of it. Okay. And so as she's looking, is she finding anything at all? Or? Um, no, you're not seeing any, uh, anything. I mean, he's, uh, he's pretty bloodied, but, but yeah, um, the bruise is sort of starting to develop nicely around the neck, but no, you're not noticing any markings or any, you know, any indication if you came upon this guy, um, you would think that he was sleeping off a, a really heavy night of drinking. Okay. And possibly drinking blood because he's covered in it. But yeah. Yeah, she's going to start, you know, at least changing the shirt. So, because it's evidence, because they're probably going to need it. Mm-hmm. So she's at least going to clean him up in that sort of aspect where she's going to give him at least like a robe or something to put on. So he's not like wearing bloodied clothes. Okay. Yeah. So the detectives help you with that. They, uh, you know, they, they take them as evidence. They're not uh, sterile in the way that they are, you know, in present day, but they sort of are holding the clothes. 
Um, she basically turns to the detectives like, I really need to make sure everything's all right. Can you please give me some space if you don't mind? Um, they sort of look at each other um, and, you know, nod and kind of turn their backs. Okay. She's going to mutter underneath her breath and just um, with her back towards them over him, like do um, some squirk, uh, rub her hands together and do a couple of hand gestures. Uh, she's going to detect magic, make sure there's not anything lingering on him or mm-hmm. anything like that. Sure. Yeah. So you check and um, there's nothing left. It's, this is just a, a totally normal, non-magical person now. Okay. All right. All she can do, really. <laughs> I mean. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, just meta. This was not a direction I was expecting you all to take it. So that's cool. Um, You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Fo- focusing on trying to help this guy, you mean? No, uh, going, going the sort of medical examination route. But I think that's cool. Um, that's one of my favorite things about playing games with like new groups. It's like sort of getting to know like what direction they're going to go with stuff. Um, so yeah, cool. All right. So yeah, you have him, uh, there's some clothes laying around and so you're able to, to kind of put him in those. Um, and then the beat cops, uh, you know, ask if you're, if you're satisfied and if they can bring him down. So that's your plan. Uh, the other two of you, what are your what are your thoughts here? I absolutely need to go get a peek at Doctor Witherspoon. Okay. <laughs> uh, he- hearing hearing that that's what Agnes is going to try to do, Sawyer is a little torn because he wants to make sure Ignacio is okay, and he also doesn't want Agnes going to a potential uh, bad person's house alone. Mm-hmm. So he would suggest to Agnes maybe we go. I, I'm happy to accompany you since it's close. If you need uh, the company, I don't. I don't say protection, but I definitely hint at it. Um, but then say, uh, uh, although we, we probably shouldn't leave Ignacio for too long. I will be exceedingly quick in my peek at Doctor Witherspoon. If you will accompany me, I also, if you would like to rush on ahead to her, will completely understand that. But I feel that right now in these moments, fresh after this murder. Uh, it's kind of a critical time, and I want to see whatever there is to see. Uh, no, no, uh, I'll I'll definitely accompany you. So, what's your plan for figuring out which house is his? Um, <laughs> that's like a good point. Um, I guess I mean so. Neil, I assume, is kind of like off doing his own thing now, or he's kind of preparing to leave. Or are we? Do we still have him? Around. Yeah, he's he's gone back out to the alleyway. Um, and so as you come out of the bar, one of the beat cops is taking a statement from the woman. Um, and uh, you hear her asking him if uh, he'll accompany her back to, to Madame Marie's. And uh, he sort of shakes his head and says that he's too busy. She'll have to get herself there. Hmm. Well, I don't like that because... If she's walking on her own, that because I'm not fully convinced that there's only just one person who's potentially gonna be killing people tonight. 
Um, I'm going to turn to Sawyer. I think if we're going to be good Samaritans, we ought to walk this lady home before we do anything else. Fair enough. But we and should I, uh, walk briskly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, agreed. Agreed. Okay, so so you go over to her um, and... Uh, yes, and uh, offer... So, uh, I understand you would like some company on your walk home tonight, uh, considering what happened. Uh, if you'll have us, we would gladly accompany you. She says, uh, it's, it's a long walk. How long? Where do you live? Uh, she says, I live just over the, just over the river. Hmm. Well, that is kind of a, a longer walk than I would like, but maybe I feel bad saying this, but maybe we can take you partway there. Yeah. So if you, uh, look on the map. It's the the red dot in near the bottom, right? So the bottom, kind of the bottom right there. Uh, yeah. Well, red dots are very ominous, <laughs> so I feel <laughs> like we had to walk her the whole way. Then I don't know. Maybe we can. I mean, we're gonna have the party split up in like four different directions if we if we divvy this up, and somebody takes on Witherspoon and somebody goes. Um, I don't know. Perhaps. Witherspoon can wait, and this long walk is worth it. And per- also, we don't know where he lives. Maybe she has some information for some reason that we can try to finagle <laughs> out of her. Sure. All right. Well, uh, I guess we're. I'm in it for the long haul. We'll just have a lovely night stroll after okay. a horribly traumatic event. All right. Cool. Okay. So the so the three of you are probably going to accompany uh, accompany the woman who you don't know yet is named Clara, uh, back to, back to Madame Marie's. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and Ignacia, after the, after the office, what's your plan? Well, I don't know where anybody else is. So I kind of, I guess just staying put for now, <laughs> keeping an eye on the patient and making sure he's still asleep while the guards, the police officer here and she's here by herself because okay. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. So that'll be okay for a little while. Um, as you're walking, you start talking to uh, to Clara, um, and um, she's she's especially talkative. So, what is it you'd like to discuss with her? Otherwise, she'll just sort of chatter the whole way. Um, well, I specifically want to know because I'm sure working at Madame Marie, there are, you know, rumors get collected. There's a lot of talk to be had there. Um, whether she knows anything about Dr. Witherspoon. She says, Dr. Witherspoon, she's sort of surprised that his name would be involved with this at all. Um, she says that, uh, he's a, a British guy who recently moved in, um, about a few months ago. Um, and he's really helped out the sort of lower class folks quite a bit. Um, James, as she starts talking, you realize that this is a, a doctor who you've heard about from people on jobs that if they get hurt, he'll, he'll see people. 
Um, he seems like a, a genuinely good-natured person um, from what you've heard. Clara talks about how, you know, a lot of doctors who help out people like her uh, expect something in return, but none of the girls have ever said anything about that with him. She uh, says that, you know, they just have, have only good things to say about her. Um, everybody give me a quick insight psychology check. Uh, six total. Twelve. Nine. Uh, and uh, Clara seems like she's telling you absolutely everything she knows, and there's absolutely nothing to be concerned about here. Mm. <laughs> Great. <laughs> um, yeah, so she's just uh, definitely not hiding anything. So there you go. Hmm. Uh, I'm going to ask her if she knows just where he lives. Um, she says she doesn't know where he lives, uh, but they visit him at his office, um, which is uh, on that map I shared with you, uh, sort of south, just directly south of uh, Boston Commons. Um, it's the illegible green blob <laughs> in there. The lower left-hand corner? Uh, not all the way down, uh, but the one sort of diagonally up from there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're actually sort of walking by it. Um, and then as you do, she sort of points to it. She says, yeah, his office is right over there. He's good about, you know, working with people if they have trouble paying their bills. He just wants to help. Um, can, I mean, is there anything obvious, like the lights are on or something? Yeah. Nope. All dark. Hmm. I mean, it might be worth a shot to give a knock on the door. Maybe um, working in the dark. <laughs> James, James will ask, um, is he usually, I mean, if like if there was an emergency, is he usually available? Like, how would you, how would you get in, get in touch with him if, if you needed him at like, say this time of night? She's sort of confused by that. She says, well, I'm, I'm sure I wouldn't know how to get in touch with him. Madame Marie might, but I'm sure I wouldn't. If uh, if I needed to see him, I guess I would just have to wait until morning to see him. Or you could talk to Madame Marie and she would, I mean, if it was an emergency, you know, Madame Marie would arrange that. Maybe, but we don't have too many emergencies. I think I feel an emergency coming on. I have a terrible migraine. I think we should talk to Madame Marie about it as soon as we uh, get there. <laughs> um... So Clara sort of chuckles and says, why do you need to talk to the doctor so badly? You don't, I mean, he's not involved with this at all. It's. And, all, <laughs> and, and she says, and all that stuff that happened, you know, with, with whoever this, whoever it was in London trying to frame him and then doing what they did to his wife. It's just horrible. You should just leave him out of it. I think he may benefit from knowing some of what's going on as early as possible. She says, well, that's true. That's a good point. I'm sorry I thought the worst of you. <laughs> oh, it's quite all right. <laughs> You're not the first. Well, I don't know that there's anything else to get from her. Mm-hmm. Not so, at, yeah, at least not. Yeah, James doesn't have anything. So yeah, you're you're treated to um, to a long discussion about 
what a wonderful person Catherine was and uh, how tragic it is that that she's gone now. Clara uh, gets pretty emotional about it and uh, you can tell that the two of them were were close. So had um, had she ever had she ever talked to Terry before that you know of? Or did they just uh, meet tonight? Uh, did it seem just, I mean, for for lack of a better word, business business as usual? Or yeah, she said that um, Catherine. She doesn't. They usually work together, and she said Catherine hadn't ever mentioned to Terry before. I guess I would still kind of off off the earlier role, just be kind of taking her at her word on things. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sawyer's not paying attention to any of the conversation they're having. He's just focused on any dark corner or place that somebody might be coming out of. Okay. Yeah, so if anything comes up, I'll give you a... We'll avoid surprise there. I think I get that for my alertness feat, too, though. (laughs) Well, then you'll be super avoid it. I'll be double alert. (laughs) All right. um, So back at the the doctor's office, uh, Ignacia... How do you sort of keep the beat cops from getting too restless when they, when this guy's been out for a while, you haven't really been apparently doing too much with them and they're supposed to bring them back in as soon as they can. Um, I just reassure them that um, you don't move in a conscious body, especially one who's had a head injury until you make sure that they're awake and able to function because it might turn to something worse. And I started throwing out like medical terms at them and a lot of other, you know, high vocabulary to confuse them. Sure. Can I, can I uh, play one can I play one of them? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh so uh why don't why don't you wanna move them? I mean but, but we we need to book him pretty soon. I mean, and I understand we, that, but can you can you book an unconscious man? Can you get answers from an unconscious man? Furthermore, he's out of it right now there um, with everything that's been going on. And if we do adjust them in any sort of way, it might make matters worse. So with things like this, with these particular matters, especially when it comes to head injuries, you got to be very gentle. Well, uh, this this gentleman's a, a murderer uh, by accounts Does he look of, like he's going to murder right now? I know, but I'm just saying that uh, if if we jostle him around and it makes him worse for wear. I mean, he, he murdered that woman. So his well-being, uh, I know you're a doctor and all, but his well-being is not exactly my concern. And it, you are two strapping, you know, men of the law who can't to do one man. If need be. Well, I just, you know, I'd like to, I got, I got my own family. I want to get back to tonight, you know, I understand, but these things take time, and you can't get answers from someone who's unconscious. Okay, well, I'll I'll tell you that that uh, I, you know, you can do your work here, uh, but we we can't be here all night. So so eventually, we are going to have to to move him, uh, whether he wakes up or not. I'll see what I can do to wake him up, if if anything. Okay, I'm gonna go out for a smoke. Uh, Ted here will 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 accompany you. Okay. Sorry, that just. Yeah. No, that's great. I'm going to give both of you inspiration for that exchange. Um, yeah. <laughs> so the way inspiration works uh, is, um, Kent, I'm just assuming anytime something something happens, like since you don't play a bunch of 5e, we need to explain it, right, Kent? Oh yeah, that's that'd be a okay. that'd be a safe assumption. 
All right, cool. So inspiration um, means that anytime uh, you can choose to spend your inspiration to give yourself advantage on any kind of check. All right. Um, and you can only ever have one inspiration at a time. Uh, and then once it's spent, it's spent, but you can get it again. Excellent. All right. So, uh, as the three of you and Clara sort of approach Madame Marie's, um, there are two women standing out front, um, who sort of look confused as, uh, Clara approaches, uh, with, with two guys and a woman that they don't recognize. Um, but, uh, they kind of read Clara's expression and she kind of, as they get close, runs over to them and hugs one and just starts crying. Um, the other one um, kind of takes a cue and ushers you into, uh, sort of opens the door for you to, to let you in. Yep, James will head on in. Yeah. Okay. So you too. Okay. So uh, you find yourself in a sitting room just past that main doorway, and there are uh, both men and women milling about in various states of scandalous clothing. Um, and uh, a few of them sort of start to move towards you, putting on a smile. And the woman who opened the door steps in and kind of does a hand motion and waves them off. And they go back to seeming like they're doing something without actually being in the middle of anything. Um, the woman who let you in uh, asks you to just wait there, uh, and she'll go. She'll go get Madame Marie because she'll want to talk to you. Um, Sawyer, your weapons are are tucked away, right? Yeah, uh, under okay. the under the jacket. Only if I choose to sort of let them be exposed. I would. I would. Okay. I would pull my coat back and tuck it over the. And you know, over and back over one holster, and then the other one is under the the left shoulder. Got it. So James will go over and to Agnes, and so do you think you were talking about hypnotism? Uh, you, do you think that's a real a real possibility with what? Because that what we saw that's that's not Terry at all. Well, I don't know Terry, but I will take your word for it that he doesn't seem like the type to commit atrocious murder, even though that is exactly what we saw him do. Uh, but, yes, I mean, there's been interesting stage shows, um, although I think a lot of times the hypnotism there is. Uh, but I think also there are certain psychologists who have been experimenting with it, and I don't see why it couldn't be a possibility considering just how outlandish a lot of this is at all. Um, and certainly worth investigating. Uh, yeah, because something, something strange was, I mean, he wasn't responding even to me. And, and I mean, I, he, he, I, he cut me, which it's just, Terry would never, I mean, even, I've been, I've been out to the bars with Terry before, and even in his drinks, he's not a violent person and would, would certainly never, never come at me. I mean, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm confused and, and, just I don't know how to process any of it but do you know if Terry would have had any reason to see Dr. Witherspoon uh 
I don't know. What I what I dug? Have you been injured on the job or anything recently? Um, no. Okay. Uh, he he isn't the sort of person who would really go to a doctor unless he was dying, and that would be like, oh God, get this man to a hospital kind of thing. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Uh, no, he he hadn't seen the doctor or that I know of, at least he hadn't hurt himself at the job or or anything. So I, I don't I don't believe he would have had any interactions with them. May I ask if you? Let me put it this way: What did you see at the moment when he stopped being violent? Did you see anything unusual? Anything that made you pause? Uh, well, I just—I mean, I was concerned about him, and so I was trying to get him down. And you know, it—it it seemed like it's—it's—it's it's, it's strange. Um, it seemed like something left him I, I'm sure I don't know but I don't, but again I was so focused on him maybe it was just a, sh- a shadow playing off the wall or you know I'm sure it was just something like that but but other than that no and Sawyer what about you did you perhaps see anything that you couldn't explain I definitely saw something and uh I don't know exactly what it was, but I have reason to believe that there are things otherworldly out there. And uh, I also think that we might not want to talk too loudly about that being a possibility, uh, especially while we're in here. This is the type of place where information comes to be spread. Uh, Agnes rolls her eyes at the word otherworldly, (laughs) but um, she otherwise nods and agrees that this is probably not the best place to discuss this in depth, but um, I too saw something that I cannot yet explain, which does not mean it's not going to be explainable in the future. But um, what I saw did remind me of Dr. Witherspoon. And I know that there are illusionists now who work in the city uh, who, who focus specifically on little tricks like this. So it, to me, perfectly possible that something like this could be involved in why Terry uh, had his 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 uh, his flare up of insanity well that would that would make a lot of sense to me uh, if it was something some some I mean as you said flare up of insanity something pushed him to that point would would make more sense than Terry just I mean Terry doing it so at about this time, sorry, oh, go ahead. Just real quick, Sawyer's getting pretty restless because his thought is Ignacia's by herself. Well, I mean, with the police officers, but uh, it, it occurred to him that if if she is finished and going back, she has no idea that we'd be here. She, we never let her gave her a message or anything like that. And the only thing I gave her was would have sent her to uh, the apothecary. So his his attention right now is is like on the surrounding room and that <laughs> so at about this time uh the woman from before comes back down the stairs um and uh says uh madame marie would like you to would like to see the three of you in her office upstairs and as she says that 
the room becomes quiet and most of the eyes cut in your direction. It's obviously not a common thing for uh, folks to be invited up to the office, but the woman sort of starts leading the way up the stairs. Um, and uh, you follow her up and down a short hall into this really luxurious office. Agnes, this is much nicer than uh, either of your parents have for their studies uh, at home or at work. Um, and Madame Marie sits behind a mahogany desk with a cigarette kind of out of one of those long, elegant filters. And as you come in, uh, she says to the woman who brought you, uh, Emma, dear, go fetch Clara and let's make sure that uh, I hear her story about these three. So Emma promptly exits the room. Um, and uh, so Madame Marie says, I understand, sort of says uh, quite coolly, um, I understand this has been quite the evening. Um, so we're in a study, right? With like books and. Like, yeah, yeah. I want to do a quick perception check to see what kind of books she has. What her okay. are like. Um, that, 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 that's an 18. Okay. Uh, y'all are rolling well tonight. Um, it's not going to last. So, <laughs> <laughs> I hope it does. Um, so you look around and uh, at first glance, these are uh, real erudite books. Like these are, these are things that highly, highly intelligent people would read. These are, these are impressive. Um, there's a, a brand new set of encyclopedias. Um, but that's the first thing that you realize, uh, is a bit off. They are brand new, brand new. And as you look a little more closely at them, you realize that they're not in sequence. Um, they've, uh, and so looking around, you notice that everything seems pristine. Everything seems, uh, unopened and uh, you wouldn't be surprised if you uh, pulled any book off the shelf that the pages were still uncut um, that no one has ever actually read these, that these are here merely for show. I would relay that information, except for I'm pretty sure that would be really obvious if I started. Right. right. Hey guys. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, so she's just asked us about our evening. Um, and I, Agnes says, uh, yes, we. it's been very eventful in an unfortunate way. Um, and on, you're, the police officers denied uh, Clara company when she asked for it. Uh, and she just reasonably wanted to be walked home considering what just happened. And we thought that we ought to step in since the fine policemen didn't see it in themselves to do it. Okay. Um, so she sort of eyes the three of you up and down and says, um, so you accompanied her back out of your good natures? Well, her, her, her friend had just, just been murdered. Uh, and apparently there was a murder last night. So I did, I mean, I don't think any of us would have wanted to see her walk home by herself, you know, after witnessing that and just the atmosphere going on. Mm-hmm. 
so she sort of smiles and says, yes, yes, it's incredibly kind of you. Um, and uh, as I'm sure you'll be happy to know, um, we'd be happy to have you stay here for a bit with us tonight, if you'd like. One kindness for another. That won't be necessary, ma'am. So she seems genuinely surprised by that. Um, and at about that time, Clara comes in uh, with with Emma, the woman who brought you upstairs. And like a light switch, there's a sudden change in Marie. And she, you know, jumps up from the desk and rushes over to Clara and, and hugs her. Um, has a Has a much warmer voice and talks to her um, about how horrible this was um, and how uh, she's so sorry that she had to see it. If there's anything she can do for her, you know, she'll make sure that that Emma takes good care of her um, and she's so sorry. And uh, Clara is, you know, tearful, uh, but appreciative. Then she sort of looks up from her, casts a quick glance at Emma who, who leads her out um, and as she turns her back, her face just sort of goes back and she says, uh, and the door closes. She says, yes. Now, where were we? Um, I would like to be straight with you. Um, we somewhat urgently need to see Dr. Witherspoon considering, uh, mm-hmm. the unfortunate events of tonight, uh, as they do concern him. Um, and time is of the essence. And we were hoping that you would be able to help us in this matter. She says, why is it you think Dr. Witherspoon is involved? Uh, well, there are, as you, I'm sure you know, rampant rumors about uh, him and these murders. Mm-hmm. And I would much rather have him aware of it before uh, people start pointing at him on the street and talking again. Hmm. She says uh, she's aware of, of those unfortunate rumors. And before she let any of her employees go to see him, uh, she investigated him carefully, um, but found that the police quite thoroughly exonerated him. Uh, um, I kind of, Agnes is getting a little bit, this is not her area. Deception is not her area of expertise, but mm-hmm. she does know that uh, others present Yep. <laughs> I think one of us here is good at deceiving. And she kind of gives some a little bit of a side eye over at a certain somebody. Well, Sawyer Sawyer's been kind of uh running one of his fingers down, like kind of scratching at the spine of one of these brand new encyclopedias. Uh he's no idea what what the book uh, anything about it. Just it's just interesting to him that they would put so much detail on the spine of a book. Mm-hmm. Um, and he kind of glances over and sees sees this, and he says, um, "Madam, you talked before about a kindness that you uh, that you would pay forward since we were so kind in bringing back your your girl unharmed. Uh, as you said, it's sort of a, uh, a good good Samaritan type thing to do, and we'd like to pay the same respect to the doctor. Talk to him before this uh, gets blown out of proportion. We have no reason to believe that there's anything wrong with him." But uh, or that he's involved in this, but I know that uh, Detective, uh, what was his name? O'Neill. O'Neill. Detective O'Neill was uh, was mentioning that he had been talking with him and definitely suspecting the man. And uh, we just talked to him this evening, in fact. And I bet he's going to go back and 
have to put them through the same thing. So maybe if we get there first, we could we could give them a warning. So as uh, you mentioned, Detective Detective O'Neill's name, um, she quite visibly frowned. She says, "They've assigned O'Neill to this case." Yeah, he's Shame. a bloodhound. Uh, she says, yes, and an incorruptible one, too, apparently. He's one of the few who won't accept any kindnesses from me. Um, well, he is a good detective, and I understand they've got their man, so that's good. She says, as to Dr. Witherspoon's address, um, he has done good things for uh, for my girls. I think it would be good to, to tell him about uh, about this if the police haven't already. Um, so long as you tell him that uh, I'm the one who wanted the message sent uh, so that he knows I'm looking out for him, I would appreciate it. Of course, of course. And we'll, we'll make sure that he, uh, he hears that and that he has enough time to, let's just say, uh, clean up uh, his alibi. She sort of shakes her head and says, I think you've misunderstood me. The doctor had nothing to do with these murders, I'm sure. I investigated him thoroughly, as I said, before I let any of my employees see him. And, um, and his, his alibis in London were, were quite solid, my sources tell me. Oh, no, no, no. I, I'm, I'm, with you. I'm with you 100%. I was saying that even at our best... Sometimes we forget things or maybe drink. And mm -hmm. uh, detectives like O'Neill like to poke at those holes. Let's, mm -hmm. just, let's just say that we're going to go and pay a kindness to the doctor and make sure that he closes up those holes before O'Neill gets to him. And he, uh, Sawyer flashes a slight smile and not taps his, his hat as he sort of starts walking towards the door, hoping that somebody else will get the address handed to them. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, so, so she smiles, um, and says, yes, yes, that could be good. Um, and then she, uh, she says, and if you've decided to be involved with this case, there's one other thing to perhaps think about. Um, there is a ring of thieves operating a bit further north of the park on Cambridge Street. Uh, it might be worthwhile to go there and ask some questions about what they might know about these murders. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if this Terry had fallen in with them or owed them something um, and they had him target my girls. In the past, I've sent girls there, but they've been rough with them. And I told them recently that I simply wouldn't be sending them girls anymore. They told me there would be consequences. I just never thought they'd resort to something like this. So Sawyer stops, you know, he was walking towards the door. He stops in the doorway, turns, turns as he's like kind of opening the door and here's, here's that. And he, he says, uh, he says, so, uh, so we've got a murderer loose in Boston. We've got a, a detective looking for, or poking his nose around, and we've got thieves in the north. Sounds like a fine, uh, a fine adventure this little city has to offer. 
Well, hope my second day is better than my first. Again. <laughs> um, so, so she sort of uh, takes a piece of paper off of her desk and writes down these two addresses, uh, holds it up to uh, to Agnes to take. I take it. Cool. Um, as you're sort of getting ready to leave, uh, Emma comes back in and she says, Madame Marie, Clara's really very upset. Should I, uh, and sort of cutting her off without a second thought, she says, yes, yes, of course, give her, give her the laudanum, give her the laudanum and sort of waves her out. So then she, she looks at you and, uh, sort of disjointedly says, and the three of you, you're, you're a rather pretty bunch, especially you, nods at Sawyer. Um, if any of you ever need some extra money, you just let Madame Marie know, hmm? If it comes to that. Agnes blushes and refuses to make eye contact with anybody in the room. <laughs> James just doesn't know what to say. <laughs> Stands there a little awkwardly. Yeah, so... um. So with that, she sort of gets up from her desk and kind of leads you out the door um, and sort of standing there says, uh, I have other things to attend to, but I trust you're able to show yourselves out. She doesn't really wait for an answer and kind of closes the door. <laughs> <laughs> uh, once we are, well, I, I will gladly head out of this establishment right now. I'm a little bit uncomfortable here. Um, and if both of you are all right, with just heading out now. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 yeah I uh, think I think that's good. So when we are clear out of earshot of anybody um, who works there, I say uh, I think the problem is pretty obvious that a man with such a solid alibi and everybody vouching for him is too good to be true. Yeah, I would I I would agree with that statement. Uh, everybody seems to be very quick to. Uh, to uh, convince us that that the doctor is not involved, Sawyer's uh, Sawyer's not saying anything until until we're we're like well away from this this place. <laughs> yeah, I guess um, I guess we would head back to the the shop apothecary. I guess eventually, or so uh, as you're um, as you're heading out, uh, Emma comes sort of rushing after you. Says uh, the three of you. You really were so so awful nice to Clara, and she said you you tried just as hard as you could to save Catherine, but but couldn't. It's it's a long walk back. Would you like Would you like us to send you in one of our carriages? I yes, please. Yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. James James is you know doesn't have any reason to turn that down. Okay. Sawyer's suspicious, but we'll we'll go with the group. Okay. So she she nods and um, sort of motions, and uh, a horse-drawn carriage pulls up, and uh, she opens the door for you. All right. We'll pile. Well, I'll pile in. Okay. And so with a giddy up, the carriage is off and uh, rushing you back towards uh, the apothecaries. Red Death is Morgan Nuncio as Ignacia, Cleo Yunsu Davis as Agnes, 
Tim Devine as Finn Sawyer, Kent Blue as James, and Doug Lewandowski as our Game Master. Rotoplay Podcast is edited, produced, and hosted by Kent Blue.